Good morning. Curtis, you looked awfully good on that bike. Uh, that was, that was, that's styling, brother. Yeah, that was pretty good there. Uh, I dropped this thing in the first service, and it, anyway, still works. So, there. Uh, we have three more weeks left in this series. Today, we're going to be talking about the God of yesterday. Uh, next Sunday, it'll be the God of today, and then uh, we'll close out the series with the God of eternity, and then um, it'll be Easter, and we've got uh, we've got a, a special one act we're going to be doing that morning, and I encourage you to uh, to to be sure and be here and, and invite somebody. I mean, look, this is an opportunity. This is a time of year uh, when even people who aren't really who who nominally are not interested might be interested. You know, this this is a time when you can get their attention and they may go, well, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll go with you. You never know till you ask. So just ask. Uh, ask them to come. Uh, would you stand with me? And let's read a passage from Exodus. <clears throat> then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh. And your brother Aaron will be your prophet. You are to say everything I command you. And your brother Aaron is to tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go out of his country. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And though I multiply my signs and wonders in Egypt, he will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt. And with mighty acts of judgment, I will bring out my divisions my people, the Israelites, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring the Israelites out of it. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power and the grace and the life that are in your word. I pray for the presence of the Holy Spirit to rest upon every person here. Give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to understand. Give us willingness to be obedient to you in Jesus' name. Amen. If I could only see a miracle, I would believe. Uh, You've probably heard somebody say this at some point in time. You may have said it at some point in time. And even if you haven't said it or haven't heard anybody say it, you've probably thought it at some point in time. Because I think most everybody everybody does. Uh, Even believers. Um, even believers, believers, uh, tend to think of it in the same way on on the night that Jesus was betrayed. He told, um, he told his disciples, he said, you've seen the father. And Philip said, Lord, show us the father. And that, that would be enough. That'd be great. Jesus goes, Oh, Philip, I've been among you all this time, and you still don't get it. Whoever's seen me has, has seen the Father. And, and so as believers, we have a tendency to not see what we see. Unbelievers say this, if I could only see a miracle, I would believe it. And they think they mean it. But they forget the words of St. Paul. Actually, it's not St. Paul, it's, it's Paul Simon. Uh, all lies and jest, still a man hears what he wants to hear. 
and disregards the rest. He sees what he wants to see and disregards the rest. And those, those are very, very true words. Uh, we had, when we were in Zimbabwe, we had a home Bible study. And uh, there was this man. Oh, and by the way, home Bible studies are great, you know. And there are a few going on. If you, if you can find one, plug into it. You could actually start your own. Uh, you, you do have permission to do that. It's a wonderful thing to do. You go, well, who, who would teach it? They have these wonderful things now called DVDs. And, and Barbie has a whole bunch of them. And, and uh, she, can, she can kind of direct you there. He said, well, they got stuff on YouTube. No, DVDs. I mean, you know, get, get, uh, get something you can trust here. But anyway, uh, I, I digress. Uh, we, we had this home Bible study, and one of the guys in it, and I still can't remember his name. Margaret told me, uh, reminded me of his name in the, in the first service. Uh, but one of the guys in it, I remember he, he came one, one night and he was, he was saying, you know, I don't get it. You, I, all you people talk about, well, I, God did this and, and God did that. And, and, uh, and I asked and God did something else. I don't ever see God do anything. And we were like, cause we, we knew this guy. We knew what was going on in his life and we went, you don't? Uh, well, what about, I remember, you know, a couple of months ago, we were praying about, did that happen? Well, yeah. yeah. Oh, and then uh, I remember you talking about such and such going, you know, was that God? Uh, yeah, uh, maybe, maybe. What do you mean maybe? You know, it was God. Uh, it, 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 it depends on opening your eyes to actually, to actually see things for, for believers and and for unbelievers as, as well. A uh, couple of things about signs, frequently asked questions about miracles are actually frequently unasked questions that should be asked. Uh, answers to questions, something. Anyway, uh, one, of, one of the things that you need to know is God does not do tricks to amaze and uh, uh, amuse us. That's, he's not, that's not what he's in the business of of doing that. Jesus did many wonderful things. He did many, he did many marvels. He did many miracles when he was here. Yet when people would come and say, we would like to see a miracle. No go. A wicked and adulterous generation asked for a sign. God, God doesn't, God doesn't do this for our amusement. God does it because we need something. And we'll, we'll talk about that here in a second. But See, God doesn't do tricks. Those who do tricks to amaze and to amuse do it to deceive. And God doesn't deceive. The enemy deceives. Uh, you know, and some of you may go, well, now tricks, uh, you know, that, that, that can have other meanings too. That's also a deception. So, but God, when God does things, he, he does it for a purpose. And so therefore, to see a miracle, you have to need a miracle. Kevin mentioned that last week, uh, or week before last, or, or whatever. Uh, anything that was over three days ago at my age could have happened at any time. The disciples saw Jesus calm the storm, stand up and say to the winds and the waves, be still. And they were just, oh, wow, what, what manner of man is this? But before they saw that happen, they were screaming like little babies for their mama in a boat, with, with, the, with the winds and the waves about to overwhelm them and, and about to be capsized. Now, 
they should have had better sense than getting a boat in the first place, but, but Jesus told them to, so it was okay. Yeah. And then, and then, have you ever been in a storm at sea? No, I haven't either, but just being at sea is enough. But, but, but I, I understand when you're at storm at sea, it's not like, you know, oh, this is, it's like, yeah, everything disappears. And then, and then it, and then it reappears as, as things are rolling and rumbling. That's need, people. And so they saw a miracle. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Oh, yeah. They got a miracle. Well, they needed a miracle. Uh, in order to have their miracle, they had to go into a fiery furnace. You say, well, you know, that was, that's good for them. Uh, God doesn't always deliver from the fiery furnace. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. But you see, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't go into the fiery furnace with the knowledge that we will not burn up. What they said was, our God is able to deliver us through this fiery furnace. But even if he doesn't, he holds it all. He holds it all. And we will not bow down and worship your idol that you've built here. And so in they went, and they saw a miracle. Yeah. In order, to, in order to see one, you have to need one. The Hebrews, we're going to obviously talk a little bit about the, the exodus here. And boy, did they get to see some great things. But before they saw great things, there was 400 years of slavery. Before they saw great things, they had to be in a position to need to see great things. Um. The exodus happened. And that's one, actually, there's three things. There are three incidences in Scripture that I want to talk about. And I want to talk about the fact that they happened. Um, God appeared to Moses in a burning bush, showed him some, some signs there. Uh, he performed great wonders in Egypt. The, the water was, was turned to blood, uh, uh, the plague of Frogs, the plague of, of, of gnats, the plague of, of flies, uh, the plague on the livestock, in which case all the livestock died except for the livestock that belonged to the Israelites, uh, the plague of hail, the plague of locusts, plague of darkness, where darkness totally covered the land. And man, I don't, I don't even understand how that was because there was light in Goshen where the Israelites was. It was dark everywhere else, but and then the plague on the firstborn, the death of the firstborn. And during that time, Pharaoh, according to what we had read there, Pharaoh, you might go, well, if all that stuff happened, why didn't God let them go in the first place? I mean, why, why did it take ten plagues rather than three or rather than one or, or, or however many, some, some other number? It's because a man hears what he wants to hear and disregards the rest sees what he wants to see, believes what he wants to believe, and, it does, and Pharaoh was proof of it. Fin, finally took ten times in death visiting his, his home before he, would, before he would believe. And then after they left, the, the Lord parted the Red Sea. He brought 
water forth from the, from the rock. He brought the quail down. He rained down manna. Uh, he came down in fire on Horeb. He, he did many other great signs and wonders. And, and still, a lot of the Israelites at different points in times would go, well, why didn't God do something? We, we, would, li- we would like for God to take care of us. You know, we, we're, you've led us out here to die. Let's, let's go back to Egypt. That's who we are. That's, that's how we are. And yet, God did these incredible things. Now, the question that I have today that I want to present and I want to talk about is, did this really happen? Because, and you may go, well, why are you... Why are you asking that question? We're here at church. Obviously, we think it happened. Well, do you ever have doubts? If you don't, you may not be human. Do you know anybody that has doubts? You run into them every day. So let me, let me tell you why I really feel like it happened. See, I, I, uh, I read a lot. And... Uh, um, and, and I, I, read, I read a lot of fiction. I read a lot of novels and, and, and things like that. And, uh, you know, and, I, and you get a feel for, you get a feel for, for, for certain types of literature, for certain genres of literature. And, and as I read about the Exodus, it, this feels very real. There's a, there's a very real feel to this. This, this isn't fantastical tales of God's Taking their chariot through the sky and, and turning into goats and bulls and stuff to, to trick people and things like that. No, there's a, there's, there's a texture to it. There is an Egypt. Egypt exists. It existed then, it exists now. There is an Israel. The, the, the children of Israel, they, they, they're real, they're a real nation. They're, they're real people. And to invent an entirely realistic backstory such as this for, for how the nation came into being and, and have it all be a great lie that thousands of people know is a lie, but they go, hey, we'll, we'll buy into that. Is that reasonable? Probably not. And, and some of the most boring parts of Scripture one of the things that, that reassures me is, is the, 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 the reality texture that's there. I mean, the story of the Exodus isn't just manna falling down and um, bronze serpents and, and seas parting and water coming from rocks. It's things like this. The Israelites left Ramesses and camped at Sukkoth. Then they left Sukkoth and they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. They left Etham and turned back to Pi-Hahiroth to the east of Baal-Zephon and camped near Migdal. Should I go on? Because that's just the beginning of a very long chapter. That says we started at this place and then we went to this place. And then we went to this place. Places that exist. Places that are real. When Moses sent the, uh, the spies... Into to spy out the land, it says this. These are their names from the tribe of Reuben, Shamua, son of Zakur, from the tribe of Simeon, 
Shaphat, son of Hori, from the tribe of Judah. Caleb, son of Japheneth, uh, from the tribe of... And, and it goes on and on. I mean, it mentions these things. And you know, we read those things and we kind of go, why is this here? It's here because it's real. It's here because these are real people. And they were contemporaries of Moses. And they saw the things that he wrote about. And also, this, this whole thing is, is no hagiography to Moses. Now, that's the word of the week, hagiography. It's, it's, a, it's a biography of somebody that's kind of, that kind of glorifies their life and sort of glosses over, uh, glosses over all, all the bad stuff. No, he's a fugitive from justice. He's a reluctant servant. And not only that, ultimately, he isn't allowed to finish the job. He doesn't get to because he messes up. I'm I'm reading a series right now uh, that's uh, I'm really enjoying it a whole lot. The the main character in it, boy, does he get in some fixes. I mean, he's in some situations where you go, man, I don't know if he's going to get out of this one, except for the fact that I know there's three more books in the series. And so he's got to get out of this. Moses doesn't make it to the end of the story. He doesn't get to lead them into the promised land. So what, what, are the, what are the alternatives? What are the alternative narratives other than the fact that, that God came, came down sovereignly in a powerful political nation and without any army, without any ballot box, without any, any outside help of any kind, delivered a, a, a nation of slaves, led them through the wilderness for 40 years, part of the Red Sea, fed them, took care of them, finally brought them into the promised land. Uh, it happened. And it could only have happened by God doing miraculous stuff. One from the New Testament. There's this guy in the New Testament named Paul. Uh, why doesn't this want to work? There it is. Just didn't press it hard enough. Uh, but before he was named Paul, he was named something else. Anybody know what he was named? Woo! Okay, our biblical literacy is moving up. His name was Saul. <coughs> and Saul, Saul was a violent opponent of the church. Uh, but that changed. And it changed because he had a miraculous conversion, a miraculous encounter. He, had, he was a member of the council, and, uh, and he was a rising star in the ranks, and he got permission to go from Jerusalem to Damascus to arrest anybody that he found that was following the way, which was the Christians, was following Christ. He got permission to arrest them and, and have them imprisoned and, and even, have some, uh, even have some killed. But while he was on the way to Damascus, the Scripture says that this bright light shone around him. And it, and it threw him to the ground, and he heard a voice. And he heard the voice say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul goes, who, who are you? And the voice says, I am Jesus, who you're persecuting. Now stop that. Get up, go into Damascus, and I'm going to tell you what you need to do when you get there. And he did. Now, did this happen? 
there certainly was a Saul, and there certainly was a Paul, and the Paul had a past. It was pretty definite. And he had a spectacular conversion because, because in, in being converted, he threw away, it cost him wealth, it cost him power, it cost him, it cost him influence, it cost him prestige in the natural uh, once it happened, he, he, he basically dropped into obscurity for over a decade, and he didn't seem like the kind of guy who enjoyed obscurity. He, he was the kind of guy who, who liked, to, liked to kind of be out front. Uh, there was no reason, earthly reason, for him to make this change. So something happened to him. And he says that this is what something most assuredly happened to Paul on the way to Damascus. What are the alternatives? <coughs> well, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe he had a stroke. Yeah, okay. Uh, had a stroke, and it scared everybody, so they ran away, which he says they did from, from the light. Uh, and, he, and he heard the voice of God, and then he got healed. That's pretty miraculous, too. And when he got to the... See, and it wasn't just about Paul. When he got to Damascus, you know, he's, he's still kind of sorting out what's going on. There's this guy in Damascus named uh, Ananias. And Ananias is a follower of Christ. And he's praying one day. And, and the Lord speaks to Ananias and says, Ananias, there's this man here uh, named Saul. And he's gotten saved, but he's blind. And you need to go over and pray for him so that he won't be blind anymore and baptize him. And Ananias goes, Lord, I've heard about Saul. And he did not, I don't think he came here to be baptized. <laughs> and the Lord said, well, he didn't start out that way, but he is that way now. So Ananias goes and prays for him. Brother Saul, what? Wouldn't, that, wouldn't it be sweet to be that guy and get to go, Brother Saul? Yeah, all you got to do is have the guts to go and talk to the guy who's going to try to kill you. Uh, Brother Saul, the Lord has sent me here so that you may have your sight recovered and so that you may be baptized and the Holy Spirit come upon you. <clears throat> Something happened. So, something happened between Jerusalem and Damascus. And I got to believe God did it. And then, of course, the greatest miracle of all time is the resurrection. Did this happen? It would have been easy to debunk. Habeas corpus. All you got to do is present the body. Find the body. See? I mean, within two months of, of the event... Peter was standing up and proclaiming in Jerusalem, this Jesus whom you crucified, God is raised from the dead. I mean, all of the, all of the, all of the major characters, all the major players are still alive. They're there. The, the soldiers guarding the tomb, the, the chief priest, all, all of them. Pilate, they're all there. Well, and what's the alternative? Well, uh, his followers came and stole the body. <laughs> really? Come on now. I mean, we know that the tomb was guarded. 
We know that it had been sealed. And if it, if it hadn't have been, you know, there would have certainly been people going, well, yeah, no, it wasn't really guarded. or They all knew it was. They all knew that it was. And so really, these, the, 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 this frightened little group of guys decide they're going to go and defy the Roman law and defy the, the, the army, and, and they're going to they're gonna steal the body. What did they have to gain? Fame? <laughs> well, now... We, we know that they're, they're pretty, pretty famous. I don't think they probably would have gone, hey, you know, guys, if we go steal a body, I think we can be famous. Wealth? Power? Influ- none of them got, well, they received power from on high, but in a worldly sense, none of them got any of that here in this world. And more importantly, and, and the thing that just simply cannot be denied, is who will die, who is willing to die for a lie? Um, people die for lies all the time, but they believe that they're true. But to, will it, to, to know it's a lie, and go, I'm going to give up my life for this thing that I know is a deception, that I know is a lie, that I know didn't happen, but I'm going to die saying it did happen. That's not, that's not us. You wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. And they wouldn't do that. Because he did rise from the dead. Still a man hears what he wants to hear. And disregards the rest. Jesus told a parable about a rich man and a poor man. Poor man's name was Lazarus. Rich man didn't have a name. That kind of tells you uh, what heaven's priorities are. And they both died. And the rich man went to a place of torment. And the poor man went to a place of comfort. And from the place of torment, the, the rich man looked up and saw Lazarus there, saw Abraham and said, Father Abraham, send Lazarus to to just dip his his finger in water and and, and place it on my tongue because I'm being tormented here. And Abraham goes, no, we can't can't do that. There's a, in case you hadn't noticed, there's a a gulf here and can't really really cross that. Well, send Lazarus to go and, and tell my brothers, to warn my brothers to not come to this place. And basically what he's saying is, if I had been warned, I would not have come to this place. You think he had been warned? I think so. Because Father Abraham says, well, they've got, they've got Moses and the prophets. And what he doesn't say, but what he means is just like you did. And he says, no, but if someone... If someone comes back from the the grave and witnesses to them, then they'll believe. And Jesus, speaking through the character of Abraham, says, no, even if they won't believe God's word, 
They won't believe even if someone rises from the dead and comes back to them. And of course, he wasn't that far from being that very person who was going to rise from the dead. Here's the thing. Uh, was it last week, week before last? I think week before last I was talking about God giving me a sign when I was away from the Lord and, and what that was and how it was something that to, to virtually everybody else here would kind of be, really, that's a sign? But for me, I knew that it was. You know, I knew that it was. Everybody here, God has given you signs. He's spoken to you. It's just a matter of are we going to listen? Are we going to see? Or are we going to ignore? Um, Stephen Curtis Chapman, I think my favorite song of his, goes, uh, uh, well, I'm not going to sing it because it's probably going to be off, but uh, you're looking for lightning, a sign that it's time for a change, listening for thunder while he quietly whispers your name. If you saw the lightning or you heard the thunder, that wouldn't make a difference. But what he's saying to you will. Would you stand with me? Those who are going to pray with people, come forward. Uh, God has proven himself. He doesn't have anything left that he needs to prove. But he has proven himself as the God of the past who's done incredible things. He is still the God of the present. And he'll still do those things now because he's no respecter of persons. He's also the God of eternity. But we're here today. Smack dab in the middle of eternity. And if you got something you need prayer for, I think one of the I think one of the big deficiencies in in the church today is that yeah, we can buy two pairs of shoes. We we can I, I can take care of this. I, I don't really need God's help about that. And so there's so little that we bring to him. So little that we actually ask him to get involved with. If you got something you need prayer for, you come. If not, worship with us for a few moments. Worship with us while these others do come.